0: We're going to have fun in the Word today. God's Word is rich and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, has the power to divide asunder even to the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of man's heart. That's what the Bible says, amen? So the Word is powerful. Actually, what we're doing this month, we're taking you on a little journey, started last Sunday with the great announcement presenting Jesus, and we're taking you all the way to the resurrection, which is the last Sunday of this month. And this morning, I've got a, I've got to cover about um, three and a half years of the ministry of Jesus in uh, one hour and a half sermon. And uh, I'm, y- y'all are awake, aren't you? <laughs> Don't leave. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I know how to preach it fast. Uh, seriously, I, I was, I was looking at that and realizing the impossibility to do it justice, to give you the ministry of Jesus in 25 or 30 minutes. Actually, I could, take a, I could take the rest of the year and preach sermon after sermon, Sunday after Sunday, and still not exhaust what Jesus did in three and a half years of ministry. So I thought I would take kind of a unique approach. I thought I would I, I pulled out a scripture that's often kind of we when we read it we just kind of brush over the top of it. You rarely hear it talked about. But uh, it's over in the book of Matthew and I'll get you the text in a minute, but the title of my sermon is a greater than Solomon. And the text is Matthew chapter 12 verse 42. Listen to this. Jesus is speaking here and he said the queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. A greater than Solomon is here. Great things said Jesus about himself. Thinking about the inadequacy of the law, Jesus said... I am come to fulfill, make complete, do what the law wasn't able to do. Thinking of the lost state of man, Jesus said, I am come to call sinners to repentance. Thinking of the broken covenant of Israel, Jesus said, I have come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Thinking of the loneliness and brokenness of people, Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the earth to the end of the age, to the end of the world, whichever translation you're looking at. Thinking of man's hunger, he said, I am the bread of life. Thinking of that insatiable thirst that's inside of all of us, Jesus said, I am the water of life. Thinking of man's insecurity, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheepfold. You can come through me into the fellowship of the body of the family of God. He he also said, I am the true vine and you're the branches. How many of you are glad you're in Christ today and Christ is in you? Thinking of the great revival in Nineveh, Jesus said, a greater than Jonah is here. And then thinking about the marvelous temple that was but a small reflection of the great temple that Solomon built and also thinking about the greatest age of history for Israel Jesus said "A greater than Solomon is here. Now that must have sparked some interest in those who were listening because they knew about the greatness of Solomon. They questioned who Jesus was. But they knew about Solomon. I'd like for you to look at Solomon just a minute. I look first of all at Solomon's wealth. Solomon had 40 1,400 stalls of horses. <laughs> Think about that a minute. That would, that would be like saying today that, that he had 1,400, 1,400 garages with exotic cars in them, each one of them. Can you imagine? And, and, and <laughs> boy, Jay Leno would have to get on it to, to compare with that, wouldn't he? But that's what Solomon had. He, he also had 12,000 horsemen. These were people that were ready on a moment's notice 24-7, 365 days a year to take him anywhere he wanted to go at whatever time he wanted to go. That's like saying he had 12,000 chauffeurs that just sat around waiting on his beck and call to pick out whichever garage he wanted to open and take off wherever he wanted to go in the whole known world at that time. He had 70,000 men who were bearers of burden. In other words, they, would, they just worked for him. They just did whatever he wanted them to do, 70,000. He had 8,000 men who worked in the quarries digging out the jewels and, and mining things for him. He had he had such a huge labor force and he was always building something, building the house of God, building his own house or houses. And and he had a he had such a huge labor force that he had three thousand six hundred overseers. These were the guys that had crews of people under them. Solomon was quite a man. Look at Solomon's annual income, and I'll take you to the scripture of this. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14. Solomon received 25 tons of gold in tribute annually. This was above and beyond the taxes and the profit on trade with merchants and uh, assorted kings and governors. Uh, this, This is just a fraction of his income, 25 tons of gold. For those of you who have 25 tons of gold, I checked yesterday evening at 6 o'clock to see what it's worth. And at 6 o'clock yesterday evening, gold was worth $1,247.75 per ounce. So that means that Solomon's annual income in gold alone was $39,928,000. How many of you could adjust your lifestyle to, to accommodate that if you could get that kind of income? That's, that's pretty good. Now remember, this is just a fraction of his income. This is just the gold that came to him. Look at Solomon's drinking vessels, 1 Kings 10 and 21. King Solomon's chalices and tankards were made of gold and all the dinnerware and the serving utensils in this house in the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Nothing was made of silver. Silver was considered common and cheap in his day look at Solomon's throne first Kings 10 18 to 20 the king built a massive throne of ivory accented with a veneer of gold the throne had six steps leading up to it and the back shaped like an arch the armrest on each side were flanked by lions lions 12 of them were placed at either end of the six steps there was no throne like it in any of the surrounding kingdoms. In other words, if you had traveled the known world at that time, you would not have been able to find anything that compared with the throne room from which Solomon ordered the kingdom of Israel at that time. It, not, nothing like it. Six steps up to it, solid ivory overlaid with gold, um, cast iron, I mean cast gold Lions at each step on both sides, 12 of them. Th- this, was, this was Solomon. Goodness. Um, look, look at the wealth of his empire. First Kings 10, 22 to 25, and also verse 27. The king had a fleet of ocean-going ships at sea with Hiram ships. Every three years, the fleet would bring in cargo of gold, silver, and ivory, apes and peacocks, King Solomon was wiser and richer than all the kings of the earth. He surpassed them all. People came from all over the world to be with Solomon and to drink in the wisdom that God gave him. And everyone who came brought gifts, artifacts of gold and silver, fashionable robes and gowns, the latest in weapons, exotic spices and horses and mules, parades of visitors year after year. The king made silver as common as rocks and cedar as common as fig trees in the lowland hills. That was the wealth of Solomon. It's it's indescribable. Actually, Israel, you know, we talk about David, and David was the great king. He was the king after God's own heart. And and I know the ending of um, Solomon's life was not good, but but at the peak of of his life during his 40-year reign, Israel had its golden age. I mean, there was nothing like it before or since. Never never has been anything on earth to compare with the kingdom of Israel during Solomon's reign. It was magnificent. First of all, he had peace from Dan to Beersheba. There was, there was a period of time, maybe the, maybe the longest period of time in Israel's history, that there were no wars or fightings going on anywhere. He had a peace all around him. He was at peace with all the nations around him. Uh, Not only that, there was such a blessing of God upon the nation at that time that the economy was just uh, out of, uh, he he had this marvelous program, it's called work. Everybody had a job and everybody got paid good for their work and in fact the, the economy flourished such, I just read it to you, silver was, they didn't even count silver, they just piled it up. Sort of like some people just throw away pennies, you know, or just pile them up, or put them in a put them in a jar or something, you know. Or they, they they don't pennies aren't worth very. Much. That that's the way silver was during the the reign of Solomon. The wealth was was staggering, and Solomon made an impression on the whole world. Look look at look at Solomon's impression on the world. I'll take you to Second Chronicles now, chapter nine, three to eight. When the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the servant of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and their apparel, his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Some translation says she was speechless. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe their words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half of the greatness of all your wisdom was not told me. You exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men and happy are these who your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on his throne to be the king for the Lord your God. Because your God has loved Israel, he established them forever. Therefore, he made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. Now, if the queen of Sheba said... And, and she had heard and she was in a position to know and to get news and, and, and had more understanding than we could possibly have today. If, if she said, uh, what I heard, the half of it wasn't told me. I, I just, she just said, it, it just leaves me breathless when I look at, at what God has done for you and how God has blessed you. I think you understand this morning, it's absolutely impossible for me to describe the wealth and the magnificence of the rule and the reign of Solomon and those years in which he reigned in Israel. It it is absolutely amazing. And yet Jesus says, a greater than Solomon is here. Can you imagine what those people sitting in his audience that day must have thought when he said that? But yet can I tell you this morning that it is absolute truth a greater than Solomon was right there in their midst. Jesus is greater than Solomon. And I won't preach long, but I want to tell you, yeah, go ahead and give him praise. He's worthy of that. I I just want to touch on a few things that Jesus proved greater than Solomon. First of all, in his birth. Now, Solomon was born in a palace From the moment he drew his first breath, he had servants attending him and waiting on him hand and foot. He had everything that he could have possibly wanted. You know, Solomon is responsible for many of the Proverbs and for the book of Ecclesiastes, for the book of Song of Solomon, and and, and, and many of his writings were not put in the Bible. He was quite a prolific writer. But in one of those books, he says that That he gave his heart to whatever he desired. In other words, he was so wealthy and he had such power that anything he could have possibly wanted was at his disposal, and he partook of it. He lived lavishly, and he was born in wealth. You say, how was Jesus greater in his birth? Jesus was born in a barn. Jesus was laid in a in an ox trough. We call it a manger. Uh, and his bedding was not uh, luxury satin sheets on uh, the best quilted down, but but his bed was uh, his sh- was straw, and, and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. That sounds neat, doesn't it? But it's really a burlap bag, and 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 placed on a straw pallet in on ox trough, and you say he was greater in his birth than Jesus? Yes, I do. Amen. Solomon was born in luxury, but there were no angelic choirs to come and sing about his birth like there was for Jesus. Amen. There was... God did not put a new star in the heavens for Solomon, but he did for Jesus. Amen. God brought the wise men from the east to come and kneel down and offer him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Yes, Jesus was greater in his birth than was Solomon. Not only that, he was greater in his baptism. We talked about the baptism last week. I, I don't know if they baptized Solomon or not. I do know that he was anointed king, and that's a type of baptism. And, and, and a prophet came in and poured oil on his head from a horn of oil, and it was a very special oil. The oil was so fragrant and so expensive that that it would literally fill the whole temple of God, or at that time the tabernacle and later the temple of God with, with its fragrance. Yes, his baptism was great. But it wasn't as great as Jesus. Jesus, I know he wasn't He wasn't baptized in a in a luxury pool at the palace. But Jesus was baptized in an old muddy Jordan River by by a weird looking prophet that was dressed in camel hair and, 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 and weird that he ate locusts and wild honey. But when he came up out of that water, God opened the heavens and thundered with his own voice, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit of God descended on him in the form of a dove. Oh, yes, Jesus was greater in his baptism than Solomon. Jesus was greater in his ministry than Solomon. You see, Solomon, when he spoke, everybody listened. And when he made judgments, that was final. And he was powerful in his speech. And he wrote literally thousands of proverbs and... And uh, and, and, and on and on we could go with the greatness of Solomon, but there's some things that Solomon couldn't do in his ministry that Jesus could do and did. You see, Solomon could speak and everybody would jump, but Jesus could turn water into wine to keep the wedding going in Cana of Galilee, amen? And he did, he did. Solomon could not, as Jesus did, open the eyes of the blind. Now, Solomon provided the greatest medical help that there was and that time and in that period of of history. But Jesus didn't need the doctors or the hospital. Jesus could make a mud clay and restore sight to eyes. Jesus could speak and blind eyes would open. Solomon could not open deaf ears, but Jesus did. Amen. Solomon could not straighten crooked limbs, but Jesus could heal those who were crippled and make them walk again just as straight and as perfect as if they'd never had a problem. Solomon couldn't cleanse lepers, but Jesus did. With one voice, one word, one touch of his hand, he made lepers come clean in their body to be restored to wholeness just like they'd been born. He, 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 could, he could not raise the dead as Jesus did. Jesus could stop a funeral possession and raise a young man to life and give him back to his mourning, groaning, uh, grieving mother, uh, who thought life was over for her. Jesus did. Solomon could not, as Jesus did, stand at a tomb of a man who'd been dead for four days and with the power of his words say, Lazarus, come forth. And he appeared before them. Glory to God. That's our Jesus. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we even think or ask. Solomon could not, as Jesus did, set people free and deliver them. Jesus cast out demons. He spoke to the demoniac of Gadara, in whom there were legions of demons, thousands of demons. And he told them to go, and they had to go. Amen. He he made folks free and whole again. And then Solomon could not, as Jesus did, forgive sins. You remember one day when Jesus was preaching, they brought to him a man that was paralyzed, he was lying on a cot. And um, Jesus looked at him and said, Sir, son, your sins be forgiven you. And the religious leaders had a conniption. Maybe I used a word, y'all don't, anybody know what a conniption fit is? That's kind of old school. You, You didn't want your mama to have one of those. Uh, They they really got distraught. In fact, they thundered out with their religiosity to Jesus and said, who on earth can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus said, uh, well, if, if you don't think that I have the power to forgive sins, Maybe this will show you who's speaking. And he looked at the man and said, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And that paralyzed man leaped to his feet, rolled up his portable cot, put it on his shoulder, and went running off to home to tell him what great things the Lord had done. Amen? Jesus can forgive sins. You see, Jesus is not only the Son of God, He is God the Son. Amen. And so he forgives sins. Now, the last thing I said about Solomon was the compliments that were paid to him by the Queen of Sheba, for example. I want to give you two little examples. There could be many, many more. But two examples from the life of Jesus that I think show that he's greater than Solomon. First of all, in John chapter 8, verses 3 to 11, there's a story and, and you know it well, so I won't go in great detail or take a, a much time about it. But there was a woman who was caught in adultery. In fact, the religious guys caught her. I, I've often read that and wondered w- what the religious guys were doing wherever she was anyway. Um, but that's, that's an, another question for another time. But they caught her. They caught her committing adultery. And, and they rushed in. And brought this woman to Jesus and threw her down right in front of all the congregation that Jesus was ministering to. It would be, be like if, if a couple of ushers came dragging a woman in here and threw her down right here in front of us this morning, scantly clad, because they jerked her from the condition she was. I'm sure she grabbed whatever she could get a hold of to try to cover herself. And then these religious guys said, Moses and the law says that she should be stoned to death. And um, Jesus stooped down and started writing in the dirt. There's a lot of controversy over what Jesus wrote. I don't know what he wrote. I wonder if perhaps he wrote the Ten Commandments because at some point during his writing, he stopped and said, Whichever one of you guys are without sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. Or maybe he identified their sins. I don't know what he wrote on the earth. I know he wrote something very unusual because they went out in the order of their age, which is kind of strange, isn't it? So evidently he addressed them in his writing some kind of way. And when everybody was gone, Jesus said to this woman, woman, where are your accusers? And she looked around and she said, Lord, there's there's no man here to accuse me. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could do that. Jesus was not validating her sin. But Jesus was doing what the law could not do. The, the, the law could only cover it for a while or, or pass judgment on it and, and destroy the one who had sinned. Or, or so. But you see, Jesus, remember again, he has the power to forgive sins, and so he forgave her of her past. Uh, now, Solomon was king, and Solomon could have given a pardon, but a pardon only lasts for a lifetime When Jesus forgives you, folks, it takes care of the here and now. It takes care of the past. And it takes care of the future. Amen. It takes care of the future. Glory to God. Never to be remembered against you. Never, never, never. When Jesus washes away your sins, he can take care of your past. He can give you a brand new present. And he can give you a glorious, victorious future. And that's what this woman testified that Jesus did. Let me give you one other. It's found in John chapter 4. You may remember this one. There was a well at Samaria called Jacob's Well, and Jesus stopped by there one day, and a woman came out to draw water, probably at high noon. And the reason she came was because her past was so bad, and, and she couldn't come out early in the morning when other people did because they would run her off. She was considered low class. She had had trouble, trouble, all kind of trouble with relationships. In fact, every relationship she had been in had failed. She had been married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced, and was now living with somebody. Counted up, four plus one, five times. And, and, and Jesus talks to this woman, and Jesus tells her about the water of life that quenched that insatiable thirst that she had that could never seem to be satisfied she 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 was constantly looking for somebody to validate her somebody that wouldn't reject her somebody that would accept her somebody that would approve of her and and she just went from one bad marriage to another bad marriage and and it just seemed like all she could pick in the garden of love was lemons And, and and it just got worse and worse and worse and finally she just gave up on the institution of marriage and just decided that she'd just live with whoever would let her live with him. But Jesus changed her life that day. He taught her about worship. He taught her about forgiveness. He taught her about the water of life. He taught her about the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. And she got so excited that she forgot her water pots. She'd come out to get water. She forgot them. She went running back into town, screaming to the top of her voice. She became an evangelist immediately. She started screaming to everybody, Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She recognized the anointed one. She recognized the Emmanuel. She recognized Jesus, the Son of God that takes away the sins of the world. And the whole city came out to hear Jesus. They had a revival because of the testimony of this woman, a greater than Solomon is here. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm here to declare to you in this service today that there's a greater than Solomon right here. A greater. In fact, you see, Jesus is greater than anybody we could possibly compare him to. He's greater than anything you could compare him to. There is no comparison to Jesus. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Isaiah said, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's the lily of the valley. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the bright in the morning star. He's, He's our rock of defense. He's our strong tower. He's the bread of life, the water of life. He's the resurrection in the life. He's the light of men. He is He is beyond anything that we can do. Jesus is his name. Jesus is his name. Praise the Lord. Now, we're going to pray a little differently this morning. I'm, I'm not going to ask the prayer team to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to move this direction today. And I'd like for us to have a few minutes at the end of this service to just celebrate the one who is greater than Solomon. I'd like for us to just celebrate the Lord Jesus. If you've got a need, come. I believe God will meet your need while you're at the altar. If you need to get saved, come give your heart to Jesus. If you need to get right with God, come on. If you need healing, come on. We believe God will heal you while we're magnifying and praising the name of Jesus. Whatever you need, bring your needs to the Lord. We'll pray together in a few minutes. But right now, I want you to just move as close to this altar as you can get. And let's just take a few minutes to tell Jesus how great we really believe he is. Tell him how wonderful he is. Tell him how grateful you are that he did not reject you, but that he received you, accepted you, and made you accepted in the blood. Just come and thank him this morning that that he's given you life, and not just life here, but eternal life. Just thank him this morning that he's your healer, that he's your provider, that, that he's your strong tower, your place of refuge, your hope. Life eternal is in him, praise the Lord. Just begin to praise Jesus for a few minutes into the psalter.